0: Trade season is upon us. So what assets do the Pelicans have to make a move? And what area do they need to upgrade the most? We'll go position by position. And we have an update on Brandon Ingram in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this was it it's a Wednesday, one more day before the Pelicans hopefully get off the four-game losing streak as they take on then the San Antonio Spurs? But we had a big day in the NBA last week, December 15th. Over 80% of the league is now eligible to be traded. So, where do the Pelicans? What do would the Pelicans have to make a move? Who could they target? What area do they need to upgrade the most? Plus, an update on Brandon Ingram in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's get right on into it. The Pelicans on a four-game losing streak. There's been a lot of talk of, do they need to make a move? Should they make a move? Who would they trade? What position would they upgrade? But before you get to all of that, what do they have to trade? Are there Lakers picks in the mix? Where are the picks from the Bucks factoring into all of this? What about the salary and the way trades work in the NBA? And if you're new to following the NBA, well, this might not make a ton of sense because it's not exactly the same as the NFL or other sports. So let's run down the assets that the Pelicans have beyond just the players. Future draft picks is what we're talking about here. And they have a lot of them. First and foremost, they own all of their own picks going forward. They don't owe a Pelicans draft pick to anybody. They own all of their draft picks. And then this year, the draft upcoming in 2023, they can swap their pick with the Lakers. So they only have one pick in this upcoming draft. But it can either be their pick or or the Lakers pick, whichever one is better is what they'll end up exercising that right on. So the Lakers get the number one pick and the Pelicans get the 26th pick. Well, the Pelicans will be picking first and the Lakers will be picking 26. Then the draft after this one, 2024, they have their own draft pick and they can get the Lakers pick unprotected or they can defer that pick. So the other Lakers pick they have is either in 2024 or 2024. 2025, whichever one they prefer. So if the Lakers are good next year, we'll see. Not not sold on that one. They can say, nah, that's all right. We don't want that one. We'll wait till 2025. So they have the option for what they want to do there. In 2024, they also have a pick swap opportunity with the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks are likely to be good. So any swap with the Bucks, for the foreseeable future, and there's another one they have, not really going to change very much. So in 2024, they could have a Lakers pick, and they have their own pick. In 2025, they have their own pick, and they have a Bucks pick, which is protected top four. If you're new to this and you hear me saying protected or protection on a draft pick, it basically means if it falls within a certain range, the original team keeps it. So the Bucks pick is protected top four. If it lands in the top four of the draft for whatever reason— the Bucks keep it. The Lakers don't get it, and it, the compensation then changes. In 2026, they can swap their pick with the Bucks, and in 2027, they own an unprotected Bucks pick. So they have their pick and the Bucks pick. So you have multiple years where you have multiple. Draft picks they have no second round pick this coming year, 2023 or 24, uh, or in 2025, 26, and 27. And in 2024, they have their own second round pick plus an additional second round pick from the Chicago Bulls. So that's kind of the rundown of the assets. There's a couple of years where they have additional draft picks, you know, in theory. They could have three first-round picks in 2025, their pick, the Lakers pick, and the Bucks' pick if it doesn't land in the top four. And that Lakers pick this year is considered to be very, very valuable because the Lakers are bad. They just lost Anthony Davis, no surprise to you, for at least a month due to an ankle sprain, maybe longer than that. And that's something that could get used pretty easily. So when you're looking at these picks, you got to kind of factor in what could be realistic to trade. Is that Lakers pick this year a realistic trade chip? And remember, if they do trade that pick to someone else, and they'd probably put top two protection on it, they won't have a draft pick this year to use this upcoming draft. Keep that in mind. But I don't think that's the worst thing. But that pick is very, very valuable, and you would need a star level player coming back with how loaded this draft is, particularly with the top two with Scoot Henderson and Victor Wimbanyama going two and one, respectively. I don't know if you want to trade that pick with a chance at that. You get that draft pick in the lottery, and it's a 20% chance at the top pick? That sounds pretty good to me to take those odds. I'd like that because Yama could be such a difference maker. Same for Scoot Henderson. Now let's look at the players and the salary and the way trades work in the NBA is when you send, for the most part, when you're operating as an over-the-cap team, you need the salaries to more or less match up. If you send out $25 million in salary, you need to bring back about $25 million in salary, give or take a little bit. We don't need to get in all the, the specific details with that. That's really important to consider. You can't trade a guy that's good but on a $3 million contract for a guy who's making $20 million, who's also good. So you need... To sometimes add players to deals just to get the salary evened up to that. When you look at the guys that are likely to be traded from this team, one, I don't think anyone has tremendous value around the league on this roster that you would trade. Certainly, you're not trading Brandon Ingram. You're not trading Zion Williamson. You're not trading Dyson Daniels. You're probably not trading Trey Murphy. Um, I'm probably, did I say Brandon Ingram? I'm probably forgetting other players in this too. You're looking at trading a guy like Jackson Hayes, Maybe Garrett Temple, maybe Devontae Graham too. Devontae Graham, Temple, and Hayes don't have a ton of value around the league. They're just not those kind of players that teams really covet or want. Of all of those three, Devontae Graham's probably the most valuable due to his shooting, which at times is still very streaky. That puts the Pelicans in a difficult position. But you can get to about $25 million in salary on this Pelicans roster of tradable guys that maybe another team makes that deal not for those players but for the draft picks that you would include in it maybe it's a future Bucks pick maybe it's a Pelicans pick maybe it is one of those Lakers picks when you look at guys kind of in that salary range I'm pulling up the list on basketball dash reference here you know Malcolm Brogdon is making 22.6 million you have Fred Van Vliet 21 Terry Rozier is in there too Andrew Wiggins is a little bit higher. He gets up to 30. Why did that change on me? you got Julius Randle in that mix. You have Kevin Love in that mix. You have DeMar DeRozan, John Collins, Mike Conley. Those are the type of guys you're kind of looking at that level of player. And I think that's probably what New Orleans would be looking for. You'd be looking for a third or fourth option offensively or a guy that just kind of fits you better than what you currently have. So where would fit for New Orleans What are they really looking to try and make a trade on? We'll get into that, plus guys that might be free agents for the Pelicans this year that kind of look at the both short-term and long-term. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, life doesn't come with an instruction manual. Sometimes it's just not going your way and you feel stuck and it's not easy to be able to navigate all of that. And therapy is a way that you can do that. It's a way to help you, a way to try and improve your life. I've been in therapy. I'm currently in therapy and it's great. You learn, you grow, you develop coping skills, self-empowerment, you deal with trauma. It's a very useful thing that just makes my life better. And as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It really couldn't be simpler. There's no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. Everyone can pretty much be traded in the NBA. There's a couple guys that you got to wait till January 15th. But players can still be traded now. Most of the league can be. So we're breaking down what assets the Pelicans have to trade so that when you hit the trade machine, you know what to include. And now for your second listen, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. Biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so what position do the Pelicans need to upgrade? Let's look at both the short and long term right now. This team is very close to the luxury tax. You trade for a guy that is going to be making a lot more money next year, you could be paying the luxury tax. That probably impacts the type of player that you're looking to go and move for. Big money guy, you're paying the luxury tax and you better think he's the type of player that's going to make you a true title contender if you're doing that because I don't know how long New Orleans is going to pay the luxury tax for. They've never done it. It would be out of the norm for them. Small market teams tend to avoid that. There's not really a reason to believe differently here in New Orleans, though I do think they'd pay it for at least one year. So think also in terms of free agents. They don't really have many guys coming off their books if they keep the same roster. Billy Hernan Gomez is going to be a free agent after this season. Garrett Temple is likely to retire if not traded after this season. That frees up a little bit of money, not much. So you wouldn't necessarily be making a splash in free agency. You also have Herb Jones that's going to be in the final year of his rookie deal next season. Najee Marshall's going to be in the final year of the converted two-way deal next season. Do you want to re-sign them? They're going to be looking for raises too. So if you trade for a big-name player, say you somehow bring in Zach Levine at $37 million, he can be traded after January 15th, does that mean you won't be able to have the money to re-sign a guy like Herb Jones or someone else? Those are the type of things you do need to start thinking about if you're the Pelicans' front office right now let's go kind of position by position and take a look at some of these guys and where we think they could upgrade. So let's start with kind of the point guard spot. You don't really have a true one on this roster outside of maybe Jose Alvarado and Dyson Daniels. But those are guys that aren't true starters for the Pelicans, at least Dyson Daniels, you know, who started some games, so is Jose, but just not yet. You know, Jose maybe is more of a bench guy. You have Devonte Graham that could be a two or a one. But when you look at the point guard position, it's clear they could use a more type of floor general out there. They've tried it with C.J. McCollum. We don't think, or at least I don't think, it's particularly worked. So maybe you want that guy. Maybe you want a Steve Nash, a Chris Paul, someone like that. But then you kind of factor in that Brandon Ingram can initiate the offense that he played point guard for this team and for the Lakers. And then you also have Point Zion. That really works with the ball in his hands, initiating the offense. And maybe you look at this and you don't need a true point guard. You need more of a connector. And that's a role that Dyson Daniels, I think, is really going to be able to grow into in the future. So I don't think they're really looking to upgrade the point guard spot. What about the two guard spot? And this can kind of work interchangeably with small forward two. You're kind of looking at them as, as wings in general. Certainly, C.J. McCollum is going to be slotted into that one. Shooter off the bench. I think he's be, or not off the bench as a starter. You know, maybe long term his future is coming off the bench, but I think he he works. But that's like years from now. I think he works well as a two guard. He started to come around. I thought he was good for the most part uh, the other night in the loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Brian Ingram has played the two for New Orleans. You have Herb Jones that can slot in on the wing, too, and even Trey Murphy. So all of those guys kind of fill that role. Najee Marshall has been good in that spot. You could put Dyson Daniels there at 6'8 with his size as well. So I don't think they're necessarily looking to upgrade the wing a ton. But we'll get back to that in a second. Power forward, you know, you have Zion and you have Larry Nance Jr. Uh, That seems pretty, pretty done and dusted and settled. You can even slide Brandon Ingram up a level or Trey Murphy up a little bit too with the size that they have. And then you have the center spot. You have... Jonas Valanciunas, who's done a very good job, I think, 37 points the other night, 18 boards, can carry you to wins. He's slotted in as the starter, but he doesn't close games. They like to run Larry Nance Jr. as a small ball five, but there are some limitations with that. We've seen some issues these past four games, but still not an overall issue with defensive rebounding by the Pelicans. You know, certain bigs have been able to take advantage of Jonas defensively because he doesn't defend well in space. He deters people from the rim, but they're not closing with him. And you have Larry Nance Jr. who's slightly undersized and doing what he can down there. And I do think he does it admirably. He can defend in space. They switch when he's out there, but we've seen the issues that come with that too. So when you look at this Pelicans team, that's an area that I do think they would like to upgrade and just have another body, another look to throw at them. Certainly when I think of it, a defensive big is the first type of player that comes to my mind that they probably want to go after and try and upgrade. Maybe that's Nerlens Noel, who's working his way back from injury with the Detroit Pistons. I've seen Mobamba's name thrown out a lot. I don't love that as he's his minutes have really gone down for Bull. Bull, He hasn't really been able to kind of carve out a spot. He is shooting the three ball relatively well, but not at high volume. He's a good enough rebounder, but he is a shot blocker, so gives you rim protection there. Late in games, that's important, but I don't think he's a guy that you could really close games with. Miles Turner is a name that's always thrown out. Indiana's never traded him despite always being in trade rumors, but he is an expiring deal at $18 million. And if they're not going to re sign him, maybe they want to get something for him. Shooting on four attempts per game 42, 41.6%, eight rebounds per, almost 17 points. He is a shot blocker too at 2.2, but they're not the type of block shots that lead to transition. They're blocked out of bounds. Still stops it. I don't love him as much as others do, but if you're not going to close with Jonas and you think they might close with Miles Turner, you, you could take a flyer on him. I don't think he would be too expensive. It would take Jackson Hayes, Devonte Graham, and probably two first-round picks to get it done that are protected. Is that what you want to give up for Miles Turner? I mean, maybe, maybe it's a guy in the conversation. Those are some of the names I think that are going to be out there that they could really look to try and go and get. You could even maybe go after Naz Reed, who's a great scorer off the bench for the Minnesota Timberwolves and bring him down here to New Orleans, but I think they want to keep him. Those are some of the names that I think could be good options there. Another way to look at it is how worried are you about the offense in crunch time? When you looked at that game, against the Milwaukee Bucks, and I talked about it in yesterday's show, right? They would put Giannis on Herb and let basically Giannis or Brooke Lopez camp out waiting for Zion to attack him and completely leave Herb Jones open. Defensive guy in Herb took eight threes, made two of them. That wasn't working. The court wasn't spaced well for Zion. The Pelicans' offense struggled to generate points down those final couple of minutes, and they ultimately lost the game because of it. Do you go after a guy like O.G. Ananobi from Toronto that you could close games with maybe over Herb Jones, who still gives you high-level defense but better offense? I think the wing is a good position for New Orleans right now with a lot of depth there when Brandon Ingram's healthy, and more on him in the next segment. I'm going to mention him here again too. So I don't know if you need to do that, but if you don't feel Herb Jones is a guy you want to close with because of the lack of offense you probably need to bring in another scoring wing that can defend. So here's the thing when you talk about a trade like that, though. Does that mean Trey Murphy won't get minutes? Should we just be giving those minutes to Trey Murphy right now? Is that guy already on the roster? You could argue yes. One of the best, if not the best, three-point shooters New Orleans has. He can make teams pay. He's in a slump right now. His defense hasn't been great either. But do you want to take minutes away from him by making a trade and potentially stunt his growth? Same for Dyson Daniels, right? I did another show on this. Do you really want to make a trade that brings in a good enough player, but is going to take minutes away from some of the young guys on the team? I'm not sure. That's why I tend to go for more of a pure rotation kind of player for New Orleans to fill a need, shot blocker, defense big or maybe you just need a little bit more scoring off the bench someone who can get his own shot so you do look towards the backcourt you could do all of that you do all of that and not really kind of upset the balance of this roster really stump the future growth of this team so the way i look at it is yeah bring in a wing that you feel you can close with the brain ingram really helps alleviate a lot of the defense that the bucks ran last night the other night so that kind of fixes some of that so I don't know if you need to make a panic move to go and do that on the wing. But if you want to bring in another score for the backcourt, fine by me. If you want to bring in another shooter, certainly that would be a good thing. But I do think it's the front court, another center that you can really rely upon that's kind of defensive-minded while giving you just enough offensively those aren't the easiest things to find, but certainly there are a couple of guys out there that the Pelicans could go get. Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube what you think they need. What is the area of most uh, that they need to upgrade the most? Let me know in the comments down below. So coming up next... Brandon Ingram, still out. We got an update from Willie Green on his status. I'll let you know what it is coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net, your fastest and easiest way to get any of your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Your number one place. So get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football, college bowl season, roll wave. The NBA, they've got it all over at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, and you do you can even find those over at bet online as well it's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info and your fix in and you can get all of the nba futures so head to the website today you can also get there on your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action happening right now over at BetOnline.net. Betonline bet online where the game starts and thank you for making locked on pelicans your first listen today and every day We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. And now for your second listen, Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson breaking down everything black and gold today, looking at a two-lane player. Spears, keep him in New Orleans. Love that idea. Make sure Locked On Saints is your second listen after Locked On Pelicans. So we got an update. Let's shelve the trade talk because, look, nothing, so nothing before we shelve the trade talk. Nothing's going to get done right away. There, the earliest trade made last season, I think, was January 3rd, January 6th, something like that. Very early in the new year, but things don't really heat up till the NBA's trade deadline. That's when things really get started, about the week before that. that's on February 9th this year. Things won't happen until late January, so we're not going to see anything in December. We probably won't even see anything for the first couple of weeks of January. But it's worth starting to look at and start doing your research and seeing if anything changes during that time. But don't get your hopes up that a deal is going to end up happening tomorrow because it doesn't really do that, at least nothing of consequence. Though a lot of GMs and people were at the G League showcase recently where a lot of trade talks can start to happen. So Brandon Ingram, because I do think Brandon Ingram coming back fixes a lot of what hurts New Orleans. The Bucks wouldn't have been able to defend Zion Williamson the same way with Brandon Ingram back. You want to double him? Leave someone open, that means you're going to still have single coverage on B.I. and he's going to burn you. You're taking away the rim, camping out in the paint. Let the mid-range assassin come in. That's why C.J. managed to shoot so well. Get a couple of those mid-rangers in there too, because that's what the defense was giving him. Bi's perfect at that. So I do think he changes a lot. But when's he coming back? It's a toe contusion. This has taken a while. After the game, Willie Green gave an update and said that Brandon Ingram is considered week-to-week that's not ideal this is a a toe contusion again it's not like it's like a bruised skin or something like that right could be the front of the toe which really does hurt you know if it's a bone type of situation running pushing off on that big toe isn't an easy thing to do he was from what I've been told planning to play that second Phoenix Suns game on that Sunday but had a setback in the meantime re-aggravated it set him back it's unfortunate. I think we all know he likes basketball, wants to play, likes being here, but he does not play till he's 100%. He really tends to miss more games than you would think from some of these injuries. So I don't know if we're going to see him in 2022. If he's week to week, I don't know if we're going to see him in 2022 and we might not see him until sometime in January. Once he's gone through a couple of practices and been with the team a little bit, you're not going to just clear him to play. He hasn't practiced, and then be like, "All right, get on out there and play thirty something minutes." It's unfortunate, you know. Injuries tend to really linger on this team. That's partially how Aaron Nelson operates; is he wants to hold people out and not risk any sort of reoccurrence. You know, they kind of play treat guys with kids gloves a little bit more so than maybe other NBA teams do. And there's no right or wrong way to do this. But they could certainly use him back, and it just seems like this is one of those things. Week-to-week is not a great designation. That's not the same as day-to-day, where it's like, yeah, he should be coming around almost any time. You know, anytime time doesn't really get said when you're, when you're week-to-week. So that hasn't been an ideal situation. It's hurting New Orleans right now, as they could really use his offense. The good news is they do have three very winnable games coming up, but teams that they've struggled with, too. You know, so I don't know if that's going to be the easiest type of victories for New Orleans. Hopefully, they're better than those teams by now: the Spurs, the Thunder, the Pacers. But the Pacers beat them already. So, are these going to be three get-right games for New Orleans? Or are these going to be three games that show they need to make a trade, or they and and or they need Brandon Ingram back right away? So, let me know in the comments down below on YouTube what you think, what area you think the Pelicans need to upgrade the most, what's their biggest need. And I'll try and respond to as many people as I can in the morning here and throughout the day. So one more day before we get to the next Pels game. Might have a guest on tomorrow's show. We will see. I'll let you know. But it's going to be a fun time. Looking forward to ending the, the season strong here. The, the holiday season strong here as we close out this episode of Locked on Pelicans. So that's going to do it. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.